That's from the movie Crudes. I think you could say it's a story of church. <laughs> despite all the excuses, despite the struggle, the Crudes do, and I'm sorry to spoil a five-year-old movie to you, but the Crudes do get to the mountain. That's kind of like the whole point of the movie. And I spend a lot of time up here week after week trying to convince us all to pursue the kingdom life. For getting to like that spiritual mountain of kingdom living where we fully experience God. What God is calling us to. But like the Crudes, I think we often make excuses. We don't want to struggle. We don't think it's possible. We think it's too hard. And at the first sign of suffering, we're out. For us, it has never been done before. So how do we foster that kingdom life we're called to that will change ourselves and our culture, where we encounter God in the most amazing ways? How do we live it out? How do we stay committed to Jesus' alternative vision for the world, a vision that every day we are fought against? A vision that every day our entertainment and society around us tells us is a waste of time. We question in times maybe, is pursuing God even worth it? Is having a good relationship with God even possible? The gospel at its core is community. It's the kingdom. It's about a place where God's reign is real, where we're experiencing God's way and doing God's things. God's reign is real, recognized, and lived out here on earth. That's the kingdom. And the destructive teaching that following God, which is pervasive, that following God is personal and just between me and God, is more of a melding of our society's love with individualism combined with pop spirituality. And it decimates, really, what God wants to do in our world. It's definitely not biblical. It's not spirit-led. Our relationship with God is supposed to spiral out from the core of me being right with God in community and then being a blessing for others. God came in the flesh as Jesus transitioned the kingdom of God from the Old Testament nation of Israel to the newly established church. And so we are now this kingdom. This great transition was Jesus' revolutionary mission here on earth. Paul wrote this, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who con contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. One thing you will notice about the kingdom is it's really all relational. We're not supposed to think more highly of ourselves than we are because if we think more highly of ourselves than we are, it's destructive to our relationships. It's relational. We have different gifts that we should use to build each other up. Again, relational. It's about me building you up with my gifts. And just like in a nation, different people have different jobs. And when different people are doing the roles that they're gifted in, a nation thrives, just like the church. 
thrives when we're all using our gifts to do what God has gifted us in. We need each other, and that's what the kingdom is about. Each one of us encouraging and building up one another. As the proverb says, as iron sharpen iron, so one person sharpens another. We were made to be members of the same body together to sharpen each other. Not to do spirituality alone. We, together, are the body of Christ. One body joined together through Jesus. Paul elaborated it like this. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gift of healings, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. We are one body, each individually members of it, giving separate gifts to bring about God's beautiful plan together. But even more excellent, Paul talks about here, like there's a more excellent way. And that is his intro to 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. Love is that more excellent way, and love is essential for the body to be the body. Love cannot be exhibited in isolation. Love is exhibited through relationships together. We were made to be in relationship with each other, to use our gifts to build each other up, to love each other, and then as a result, to, we would be the kingdom of God. A small group of people committed to a cause, guided by the Holy Spirit, can make a tremendous impact. And we are called to be that small group of people, faithful, committed together to kingdom living. The writer of Hebrews wrote this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, in all these passages, the idea is the same. We gather together, not to just receive. We gather together to be an encouragement, to build one another up. And that is the functioning church. A place where one another is helping each other thrive in what God is calling us to. My friend Ben shared this story a while back. He traveled to Michigan from California over Christmas. And this experience happened on his way home. This is what he wrote. Our plane out of Chicago was late leaving, so late that we literally were the last people to board the plane in Las Vegas. When we got on the airplane, I had to convince a flight attendant that I needed two seats together so that one of us could sit with Elliot. Elliot, for his part, was done, and Elliot's an autistic boy that they have. Elliot, for his part, was done with the trip. Our tablet's battery was dead. My phone's battery was dead. Elliot was scared of the older woman we ended up sitting next to and heading into full-on meltdown mode. But soon, the woman started talking to him and then pulled out her own tablet and let Elliot play with it on our flight back. She had an autistic grandchild a little older than Elliot, and we talked almost the entire time we were in the air. What could have been the longest hour and a half of our lives instead turned into one of the most pleasant in-flight conversations I've ever had. So to you, Grandma, I've already forgotten your name, but your kindness was more welcome than you know. And think of the church 
kind of as this. Like, we're in a plane together. We're not flying, but first, we're together. That's the obvious one. Second, we're going somewhere. The church is always headed in a direction. And third, we can ignore each other. But if we're doing that, we can't help each other. If we're ignoring each other, we can't build each other up. If we're ignoring each other, we cannot achieve what God has called us to be and then do. So the church is never just a weekly event to attend. And, it, and I just want to deal with this quote real quick, actually. I just was going to have it up, but then it struck me. We will never change the world by going to church. We'll only change the world by being the church. And sadly, a lot of people then use this as an excuse to not actually be part of a church, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I'm going to be the church on my own. You cannot do church alone. Churching is not something you can be alone. Churching is something we are together. No one person is a kingdom by themselves. Together we are the kingdom of God. So church is not a weekly event to attend, though. If, that is what make, if that's what we turn church into, our church will never have an impact on our community, nor will your life be changed by your involvement in church. Church is you and me together in relationship with each other, living under the lordship of Jesus. The church is called to be different. Our fellowship in a church should be just as great or even greater than our biological fellowship. We need to share our lives together in a way that is beyond what the world experiences in relationships. We need to give witness to a countercultural way of living where we love like family despite not sharing bloodlines. We need to know each other intimately like family does. The church is, as Jesus described it, to be a city on the hill, a city inclusive to anyone who is seeking God. Our families should be growing as God continues to draw fellow sojourners in as we continue to bring about Jesus' will here on earth as it is in heaven. Our goal should always be to remain faithful to what God has called us to and to be the group of people that He is shaping us into. Being a follower of Jesus is not about just adhering to a set of doctrinal statements, which is what we turn church into all too often. It's not just attending a worship gathering, which again we struggle and think that is church, or some other legalistic ritual that we have morphed Christianity into. Being the church, being a follower of Jesus is about living our lives together in such a way that we exhibit the kingdom life that Jesus intended for us to live. And this life we are called to is lived out in fellowship with each other. And when we do that, it actually will then give credence to the authority of Scripture and the doctrines that we do share. We should be living together, loving together, growing together. And then this life lived will change the world today. Through the strength and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, intermingling with our meager efforts and going everywhere we go but before us, let us strive to be the people Jesus died for us to be. Let us live in his resurrected eternal life today, together. So to go back to the questions I asked at the beginning of the sermon, how do we foster the kingdom life that will change our culture? How do we live it out together? How do we stay committed in Jesus' alternative vision for the world, a vision that is different than our entertainment in the society around us tries to convince us of the purpose a good start, I think, is to study, to pray, and serve together when God prompts. We will have difficulty deciding how to collectively use our money the way God is calling us to if we are not studying together.
you know, just brief history of the church. I know that the school supply project, the manor house ministry, and the kids' clothes closet were all birthed at study and praying together. And for those who don't know what they are, the school supply project we just finished up doing this year, you probably all know it because it's really recent on your head, where we give school supplies to anybody in Antwerp who needs them. And the manor house is the weekly ministry that Sam K., Bryce, Nellie, and Chad do at the nursing home in town and providing those people with a church family. And the kids' clothes closet was in the room right over there, which is now a storage closet. But the kids' clothes closet was there, and Dana Garmater was volunteering and doing a lot of the work for our kids' clothes closet, and she just decided she was going to open one on her own. And so it provides kids' clothes to anyone in our area that has needs. And with what Dana has done, it's not just kids anymore. Anybody that need, has clothing needs, she provides. But it started right over there in that room, and it inspired Dana. But these all started and were birthed in times of study and prayer. And this should be the normal experience of church. We gather together, we study, we pray. God prompts us. We do what he prompts us to do. Studying together provides the stability to not go every which way we feel that the Spirit is leading because sometimes we confuse our own desires with the Spirit. And doing it in community gives a check that maybe we might be wrong sometimes when we think the Spirit is telling us something. But the purpose of Scripture is to keep us from false teachings that destroy and empower us to be guided by the Holy Spirit and live out the life that God has called us to together. And while praying together, it opens up the sky of heaven. The kingdom is often unleashed into this world when we pray. Actually, I might be so bold to say, the kingdom is almost only unleashed in this world when God's people pray. It's like one beam of light through a cloudy sky at a time. And God just wants a group of people that makes it a clear day. Prayer allows us to be grounded in truth no matter what great things we may do. Because it's only God doing them through us. He works through us when we pray. And we can't take credit for these things that God does through us. We're just faithful vessels. And God wants more faithful vessels. He wants people like us to study and pray and serve together. God has set it up where his will breaks into this world through people like you and me faithfully responding to whatever it is he calls us to. And our world desperately needs more Christians who say yes to God and does what he calls us to. Our world needs more radical, faithful Christians. Our world, our town needs our family needs us to be the kingdom of God he calls us to be here on earth as it is in heaven. And here is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It's an example that is given to us in the book of Acts of the early church life. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
This was the church that changed the world. And the traits that were seen in that church is they were studying together, they were having fellowship together, they were sharing meals together, and they were praying together. The whole package. And because they were doing these things together, they were placing themselves in the position where God could do amazing things through them. But we can't know what we are to do together if we aren't studying together, having discussions about what we're studying together, and having that all birthed out of a culture of prayer. The church always goes the wrong way when the life of the church is ran through board meetings rather than relationships between people who pray and study together. The church always goes astray when it's just about copying what another church is doing rather than seeking what God wants us to do. So if we want to foster a kingdom life that will change us, because we need to focus on changing ourselves first if we want to see any of this in our reality, then we need to change, and then our culture will change. But we, the church, should focus first on being the church we were called to be, and we need to stop just trying to influence the non-Christians around us to be who God's calling them to be in, in a in state-forced way. Because when we actually do that, when we focus on changing ourselves first and then changing our church first, then our community becomes transformed. And then the ironic thing is if we get this right, our state becomes transformed. The problem is, is we want to skip all those middle steps and we just want to transform the state. When, and then when we want to transform the state without transforming ourselves, our churches, and lastly our communities, we come across as people shoving our morals on others and using the strong arm of the state to make them behave like Christians rather than just being Christians who are contagious. A changed na nation can only happen by changed people, not by force. John Howard Yoder said this, Let them see service that need not be coerced, charity that does not degrade, institutions that do not depersonalize, authority that does not tyrannize, and forgiveness that does not demoralize. Such is the kingdom that is at hand. That is the example we're supposed to live. That is the kingdom. And we can get there. John Wesley said this, Give me 100 men who love God and nothing else, who hate sin and nothing else, and I will change the world. And Jesus did it with just 12. So let us focus on kingdom living and see what God will change in and through us. Like the Crudes, the journey may be difficult, but we see that mountain that we're supposed to strive to, and we have to make the journey there. And they had all sorts of excuses on why they couldn't go there. But they chose to go, and they chose to do it. So let us toss any excuses we may have about pursuing who God wants us to be and about pursuing what God wants to do in us, and let us just toss that all aside and choose to live in the kingdom life that God has called us to, and then we can see the exciting things that God wants to do in us and through us. We have a mountain to get to. We have a kingdom to live. So let's do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. And I just ask that you would um, lay your vision for who you want us to be so firmly on our hearts that we 
can't resist it. Um, that you would open our hearts to be faithful to that kingdom you're calling us to, and, and you would just give us opportunities to love one another and to see how that works together. Um, I pray that your blessing would be on our efforts as we make mistakes and as we fumble through it. You can sometimes turn our mistakes into beautiful things. And we thank you for that. Um, I just pray that you'd help us to be a blessing. In your sins, let me pray. Amen.